0: Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. How's it going, everybody? We're going to continue our study in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And um, what a wonderful treat it's going to be for us. Pastor Manny kicked it off last week with 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. All right, I'd like to entitle the message for tonight, Fear of Missing Out, FOMO, FOMO, Fear of Missing Out, F-O-M-O. I don't know if any of you guys ever had a uh, the fear of missing out, the fear of not being uh, uh, somewhere where all the fun was taking place. But uh, it's no fun when you, you hear the stories secondhand, thirdhand, and, uh, and miss out on all the good stuff. Uh, so we're going to get into that. We're going we're gonna to look at what that, what that means for us today in Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica Um, For those of you guys that don't know, my name is Josh Canales. I'm the senior pastor of the great Mission Ebenezer Family Church. My wife and I, Boomy, have been pastoring at the church for 18 years. Can you believe it? Um, Although for more than 18 years, we've been a part of this great community of faith. Um, As my grandparents founded the church, my mom and dad continue the the church and, and their calling. God called them straight to the ministry, straight back to the neighborhood, to the hood. To bring the word of God to God's people. And so when I was playing baseball with the Houston Astros at the time, 2003, God called me out of baseball, plucked me out and said, it's time. Um, And so I said, "Okay, Lord, here we go. Here we go. Uh, When he called me, when he um, made it clear that he had called me into the ministry, I said, you know what? There's got to be a whole lot of great stuff going on over there. if The Lord is, is telling me to hang up the cleats, to uh, put my glove and bat on the shelf, to cash in um, on my professional baseball career. And I tell you what, um, I've never regretted it, never regretted saying yes to the call of Jesus on my life. And here we are, my wife, uh, serving alongside me at the mission. Um, And we're just getting started. We're just getting started, um, getting our ministry underway. We're relaunching our church after a year and a half of a a worldwide pandemic. Um, We're relaunching our leadership. We're building on the foundation that has already been laid before us for thousands of years. The foundation of Christ has been laid down. And so we're just continuing to add on to that, build on to that. We're not trying to change uh, the whole uh, ordeal. The gospel is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That's our Jesus Christ. I love Him with all my heart. I'm excited to bring the Word of God. We're going to look at 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. Before we get into the chapter reading for tonight, I do want to give us a little bit of uh, background information. Um, I just want to remind us, that as Paul was traveling throughout uh, Macedonia, throughout that that whole Mediterranean region, um, there were lots of things and lots of people that Paul came across. And and he met a lot of great people, made a lot of disciples. And um, every time he made a disciple, that disciple wanted to go with Paul, wanted to go uh, with him wherever he went. It was so exciting. Uh, it was an adventure to serve Jesus. Um, as you guys know, um, who know Jesus and who've who, who um, been in the Word of God ever since you got saved, you know that serving Jesus is a great adventure. But can you imagine traveling the world with Paul? Can you imagine preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ with a bunch of people that you love, that you know dearly? Um, it's just an amazing thing. So that's what we're going to study today. Uh, the fear of, of missing out. Um, never wanting to... Um, miss out on that great big family function you you remember those those family functions um, that everybody was going to be at um, and you you knew um, you couldn't be there but you tried everything in your power to be a part of it that's what's going on right here in Thessalonica Um, Paul um, moves through Thessalonica stays for about three weeks in his initial um, arrival there in Thessalonica. Uh, while he was there, it says on three Sabbaths, um, three wor- days of worship. Right, Paul taught as much as he could. He he taught um, for long periods of time. That was Paul's mo. Paul didn't just come in and give a one-hour teaching. Paul would come and sit with people and teach them the gospel from start to finish. Um, And then he would come back the next day and he'd teach even more. And he would sit with people. He would dine with people. He would stay at people's homes and and teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Imparting the love of God, sharing with them the beautiful uh, good news of Jesus Christ, and then bringing them into uh, the greater knowledge of the Word of God. That's what the life of the Apostle Paul was like, and that's what it was all about. In the letter to the... Thessalonians, we read about um, his travels along the Ignatian Way to Thessalonica. You can follow along there in the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 39 through chapter 17, verse 1. You can read right there Paul's travels um, in Thessalonica in a historical narrative context where we we learn a little bit more about the story, uh, the storyline. Because you guys know that Paul's letters... A lot of it had to do with practical uh, ministry also had to do with a lot of theology, which means what is the mind of God or what does God think about certain things? So Paul gives us um, sometimes a a direct bird's eye view um, of the gospel from his perspective. Um, And then he opens up God's heart for us so that we can see what God's heart looks like and what it what it is. and so when Paul was there in Thessalonica, they wanted to stay longer. But there were people who did not like um, what Paul was doing. There were Jews who were um, antagonistic. They, they accused Paul and many others of, of treason. They tried to persecute them. They tried to have them run out. And so sure enough, Paul and many others had to leave. But they did leave some brothers behind with the gospel intact. And it was that gospel intact that the people held on to because they wished they had more time with Paul. They wished they had more time to dine, to fellowship, to learn, to sit at his feet um, and then commit their ways completely to God. Uh, we're going to see right here, though, when we read the scripture, how uh, the church in Thessalonica was able to grow, was able to flourish and was able to, to stay in communication with the Apostle Paul. So let's go to chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi. That's where we get the, the letter to the Philippians. As you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. I'm reading from the New International Version, the the NIV. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. We know we never used flattery nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. He says, as God is my witness, we were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and our hardship. We worked night and day in order to not burden anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. Your witnesses And so is God, of how holy and righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to all men in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved in this way, they always heap up their own sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. Oh, that's a tough tough sentence, tough, tough statement to end on uh, For the, from the Apostle Paul. Uh, he's no stranger in speaking the truth. And putting people in the hands of God. We read in the book of Psalm um, Several imprecatory Psalms. Where King David also calls for judgment. To come down and the wrath of God. To affect. To, to halt. To put people um, back in their own place. As, as King David prays for God to deal with. The enemies of God's anointed. That's called an imprecatory prayer. And there's several psalms. And we see here, Paul refers um, here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16, where he places others who have wronged believers um, and placed them in the hands of God to be dealt with by God. So... Uh, it's not a place for us to hang out all the time, but every now and then we have to pray that anybody that poses a threat and that comes violently against the, the, the way, the, the faith that we have, we ask for God to remove them. Sometimes you can you can pray a positive prayer and say, Father God, remove my boss, promote them because they're giving me a hard time because of my faith in Jesus Christ. <laughs> hey, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to bless our time in the word of God today uh, join me church Father we love you and we thank you we bless your name Father God for you're a good God we thank you for the Word of God because it, it provides for us a foundation for how we need to live a foundation for how we need to uh, how we need to serve a foundation for how we need to lead a foundation for how we must believe a foundation from 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 which We grow a foundation from which we minister, a foundation from which, Lord Jesus, we trust in you and we love one another and the body of Christ. So, Father, I pray that you'd open our our, our minds, you'd open our hearts, you'd open our our spiritual eyes, so that we might see beautiful things in your law today. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we see here in the letter to the Thessalonians that there was great opposition to Paul's uh, gospel work in Thessalonica. So much so that he had to leave. He had to leave that that place. In my studies, I read that the believers there came under great persecution um, following a great upro- uproar um, and um, accusations against Paul and others with them, they brought city officials, government officials, to come and try to break up the ban. They try and, you know, put tags on the doors and say, you know, you cannot meet here. They tried to use every letter of the law um, to come against the Christians of the day there in Thessalonica. And Thessalonica was a booming seaport. So it wasn't just a small little village. It was a booming seaport. It was a a trade center. It was um, a chief seaport for commerce and and a military center because of its location. If you get a chance, you can pull up a map to see where Thessalonica is established. Now, I'm going to try and show you here a map of Paul's journeys, and on this map, um, I hope that you're able to um, kind of identify some of these places that, that Paul had um, and that he visited um, when he was preaching the gospel, taking disciples with him from place to place. If we were in the sanctuary at church, we would have the map displayed on the side walls, and we'd be able to follow along and track his journey. It's important to know the Word of God. It's important to know where the Word of God has come from. It's important to know where the Word of God um, is going. It's important for us to know where God wants to take the Word of God because we as the church, we have to be in, in tune. We have to be listening. We have to be watching. We have to be sensing. We have to be praying. And we have to be receiving revelation from Father God As it hits us right here, we, the church, can then understand that, and then we can join and partner with God in the work that he's doing. Okay, so um, we're reading about right here the suffering that Paul experienced, the heartache. We're reading about the opposition. How many of you know that whenever you face opposition, it it forces us to, to go in two different directions? Um, you can choose to to continue to press on, and to press forward, and to dig deep, and to histemi, the Greek word for standing firm. Histemi, we could stand firm and we could press on with the gospel, or we could stop, we could turn around, and we could run away, or we can give up. Whenever times get tough, that's what you and I have to be reconciled to as Christians, that the Christian faith is not for the faint of heart. The Christian faith is not for um, those who are weak hearted. And, And don't get me wrong. If somebody is going through a tough time, if you're going through a time of depression, a time of weakness, a time of discouragement, a time of disappointment, trust me right now, you need to press into God. I understand some of us get hit hard by life. Well, guess what? If you've just been hit hard by life, or you're looking for something to grab onto and to hold onto and to pull you out of that storm, his name is Jesus. And it's what many have given their life for. And it's what God is calling us to give our life for and to live our life for. It's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is that God loves us so much that we are called to take the love of God and the love of the father. And we bring it to all of our brothers and sisters out here. In the world. Isn't that awesome? I think it's fantastic. So Paul says, you know, I, I could have cashed in a long time ago, but we're going to continue to fight. We're going to continue to be strong. Paul was writing this letter to the church in Thessalonica, and he includes both Silas and Timothy. So you see, sometimes Paul speaks on behalf of himself and Timothy. Others, he's speaking on behalf of himself and Silas. Sometimes you hear about Paul and Barnabas. But in this particular uh, letter, there were three there um, writing this letter to the church in Thessalonica so that they could uh, respond to the, the troubles or the issues that the church in Thessalonica were facing. And it's very important that we don't ever give up even when we face hardship, even in the church if I speak specifically to our church, Mission Ebenezer, hey, sometimes we're going to get hurt. Sometimes they're going to be stuff that we don't like. Sometimes there's going to be times when um, we're going to be tempted to just stop coming to church, to stop serving, to stop leading. We're going to be tempted to take a break from God. We're going to be tempted to uh, stop reading the word of God or not praying in our own spiritual life. We're going to be tempted to just go and give in to the flesh and just live um, uh, YOLO. What's it called? You only live once. That's very different from FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. But the fear of missing out is what, what we want to focus on today. Is that both Timothy and Silas and all these young believers that Paul was pouring into. They always wanted to be next to Paul. They never wanted to leave his side. As a matter of fact, the early, the early Christian church at Thessalonica, guess what? They wanted to go with Paul when he had to leave. But he says, no, you guys got to stay. You guys have jobs here. You have commerce. You have families. And there's so many people that need to hear the gospel. I need you to stay here. But I need you to hold on to the gospel that I've given to you. I want to talk about two things today that, that I think are very, very important for the body of Christ. So today I want to talk about the family of God. The family of God, all right? Because in this chapter, Paul goes into a little bit of detail as to what it's like for us to care for one another, to love one another, to be there for one another. And he likens the relationship that we have to each other as one of Motherhood and he's and also fatherhood, okay. Motherhood and fatherhood. So we see that in this family dynamic that Paul is giving, look at it says here in verse six. He says, We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you, like a mother. Caring for her little children, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship, we worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. So let me talk first about this idea of, of motherhood in the gospel of, of Jesus and in, in the gospel. Paul talks about this these characteristics of a mother, right, in verse uh, 6, 7, and 8. So first he says, um, but we were gentle to you as a mother, caring for her little children. So the first characteristic is gentle. I want to talk to you about the importance of why we need to be gentle with one another. I think there are... As brothers and sisters in Christ, and as part of the family of God, and part of a, being part of a family church, God's called us to be gentle with one another. What does that mean? It means that that we we don't uh, treat one another harshly. It means that when we need to, we have to make sure that we pay attention to. The things that one another within the same body of Christ within the church are going through and how certain situations are affecting us. So we got to be a gentle among one another. Right. What's the opposite of gentle? Harsh. Critical. Right. So there's a time for everything. Paul reminds us that in the body of Christ, though we can be a family that we have to be gentle with one another. He says, as the apostles of Christ, he's saying the leadership, the authority that Paul had, he had to also make sure that he treated the people gently, that he built the people up. He brought correction when he needed to bring correction, but gentleness can go a long way. And gentleness is one of the fruit of the spirit that Paul talks about in his letter to the Galatians chapter five, Verse 22, gentleness is one of the nine fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. So gentleness is a part of one of the characteristics that is a fruit of the spirit. And the reason why it's a fruit of the spirit is because sometimes we are not as gentle as we need to be. And the only way that a fruit can be brought forth is if that fruit Or that tree that bears the fruit is nurtured. We have to nurture our lives with the word of God. We have to nurture our lives with prayer. We have to nurture our lives with a direct relationship with the father. And as we receive the love and the gentleness from the father, from father God, who is also like a mother to us. Then we then give the Holy Spirit as a fruit of our lives towards one another. He says like a mother caring for her little children. So the second element or characteristic of how we in the church need to be towards one another is like a mother. Yes, it's not all military, right? We're not just building an army, although that's important too. We're not just soldiers for Christ, right? Although that's important. We're not just warriors, right? For God, although that's very, very significant. But God is also the Um, teaching us through Paul that we have to learn how to care for one another. And he says, Paul says, we have to be like a mother who is gentle, who is always caring for her little children. So guess what? Our job is to care for one another. The body of Christ. When a family is going through a tough time, we got to bring meals to that family. When a family's going through a difficult time, we need to know if they have a financial hardship and we take care of the financial hardship. Different people and families in the church send a love offering from the goodness of our heart because we care. We show up, we see a couple who needs a break, who needs to work on their marriage. And we say, hey, God put it on our heart for us to to babysit the kids this Friday um, so you guys can go on a date, right? Um, there's been several people that have come to Boomi and I and said, pastors, we love you. We see your hard work. We see how much you give and how much you sacrifice. See how you're always on the go. We want to care for you. Just the other day that a dear sister from church called my wife and said, Pastor Boomy, we want to come. We want to help you. We know you have some needs there at the house. We know there's some things that you have to take care of. We know you're working full-time. We know pastors working full-time. We know you got three kids with a four-year-old on top of all that. We know that you're in school working on your your credential um, for ministry. um, And um, we just want to, to pour out our love. We want you to know that you're cared for. We want you to know we appreciate you. We want you to know that we're here to physically support you and to love you, and they're going to be coming over within the next week or so, and they're going to be assisting my wife in whatever area that she says or sees that that we need help and support, because we all need help. I'll be the first to say that as your pastor, that Boomy and I, we need help sometimes. And I know that there are other families, and and I'm not saying that be to, to, for any other reason other than sometimes we need help. And sometimes we need to let others know that we do need help. When some people say, hey, how are you doing? You say, you know, pretty good, but we're just a little overwhelmed with some things right now. Sometimes a very healthy and honest response will elicit the kind of care and the kind of need and the kind of response that we, in fact, Um, need at that moment at that particular time when we say God is right on time we the body of Christ have to be in tune to that we as the body of Christ have to be able to see that and then not ignore it we have to be able to respond to it right away not put it on the back burner not put it on the shelf and prayerfully not forget about the need that is at hand with that brother or that sister or that family And maybe it's outside of the body of Christ. Maybe God is calling you to demonstrate the love of God and for us to bring the light of the world, which is Jesus, who is in you and who is in me, a light that shines on a hill that we are not to cover, but a light that God is directing us to go and demonstrate it through actions where the word is actually put into motion. Somebody say care. So first, we see that it is gentleness and now care. Those are two very important elements of our faith and of the body of Christ. And those have to do with a more emotive, a more nurturing element of the body of Christ. And that means that it's it's the softer side of ministry. And it's okay for us to show the soft side of ministry it's okay for us men to show the gentleness and the soft side of ministry and the caring aspects and elements. The best fathers are fathers that can get on their knee and can wrestle with their kids in a gentle way and in a fun, loving way. The best fathers or mothers are the ones who can come down to the level of their own children and care for them in just a way that the children need to be cared for. That's awesome. So, Look where it continues. It says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Love. The Apostle Paul is reminding us to share the love. We got to share the love. Don't hold on to it. A dear friend of ours who passed away two years ago, maybe three. He was um, in prison for half of his life. He was 16 when he went in. He was 34 years old when he came out. And 32, 32 years old when he came out. He passed away at 34. He said when he was in prison, whatever they accumulated, whatever they had, he said, he said, our philosophy in prison was you you don't really have unless you share. You don't really have unless you give. You don't really possess unless you understand that the reason for possessing is to share and to bless. Um, And I really love that concept. Because if you just have, you don't really have, you hoard. You're hoarding. And that's called greed. That's called selfishness. That's called self-centeredness. That's called putting ourselves at the center of our world and closing ourselves off from everything around us. And turning a blind eye to people's situations around us, just as long as my situation is okay, just as long as my family is okay, just as long as I'm okay, we're okay. But no, Paul says, love, share the love. He says, we love you so much that we didn't only share the gospel, which is the word of God. We shared the word of God and everything that came with the word of God. But he says, we were also called. To share our lives with one another. Paul says we got to share our lives with one another. That's why discipleship groups are so important. That's why our we want our whole church by January 2022 to be in a discipleship group all around Los Angeles, Orange County, wherever our people live. Wherever they commune, wherever they, they reside, we want every, every person, every family, that's our vision, to be a part of a discipleship group. You're like, why, Pastor? I'm, I, I don't really know about that. Well, I want you to pray. You want to follow Christ? Do we want to follow the early church example and model? Do we want to reach our friends and our families and our neighbors? Do we want to share life with one another and do it in a healthy way? That's the only way for us to express the fullness of the kingdom of God is if we learn to have fellowship with one another and if we learn to share our lives with one another. Didn't Jesus share his life with all of us? Didn't Paul share his life with others? My pops, my dad, just came back from a three-week trip to Romania, Greece, a Thessalonica uh, I believe Philippi so many other areas that we're studying tonight pastor Isaac my father has just traveled around the world three whole weeks with some brothers in the fellowship where my father is learning to thrust himself into brotherhood into camaraderie and sacrificing himself not because he's He's ministering the gospel or preaching the word although God, that's important and he did speak and he did share the gospel of jesus christ more than anything it was sharing in the fellowship of the gospel in one another's lives that means breaking bread with each other that means having cups of coffee with one another that means families having barbecues together that means discipleship groups that are comprised of three or four or five families coming together for, for birthday parties and baby dedications and, and baptisms and, and, and coming together and, and establishing friendship and bonds and brotherhood, creating family, spiritual family in the church, outside the church, and everywhere else in the kingdom wherever we bring it. I think that's amazing. And I think that's what we're, we can see right here. In the way that Paul demonstrated his life. Let's continue. So he says we shared our lives and the gospel with each other. Look at verse 9. He says, surely you remember brothers or brethren or brothers and sisters our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be burdened, not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel to you. So he says, brothers. Again, pulling from this idea of family, a church family. Man, church family is so important. It's, our blood family, our blood relatives are important as well. But our church family is so important. And I think sometimes we water down and we don't give enough due or commit ourselves enough to the family of God, to the family of Christ in a way where we actually care for one another, where we're gentle with one another as a mother is, where we love one another like a mother loves her children, like Paul is saying, and then understand what true brotherhood is all about. For some of us, we got to learn it. For some of us, we got to understand that sometimes relationships, if we're not careful We won't handle relationships properly and we do our best to care for one another, to not offend one another in Christ. This is hard because it's a great, it's a great uh, challenge for all of us to go outside of ourselves, to go beyond ourselves, to love one another, to care for one another, to be gentle with one another and to treat one another as brothers and sisters, true brothers and sisters and the true body. Of Christ, I want to continue this metaphor of family. Look what it says here in verse 10. He says, You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believe. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting. And urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into the kingdom and glory. Man. So what we're talking about is the ideal father, a spiritual father, a true father. The father that God wants some of you men to be to your own children. Talking about a true mother within the body of Christ and mothers for you to to learn what it means to be a mother in the world. This is we could preach on that for Mother's Day and Father's Day next year coming out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and understand the significance and the importance of the body of Christ being that to one another and to our our fellow man wherever we are. But look at how he describes what a father is he says we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children encouraging comforting and urging encouraging comforting and urging let's look up this word encouraging in my Greek Concordance okay so I'm going to look it up right now and I want to encourage you guys to study a word like this go look up a word look up what it what the word is in Greek and they'll normally have an English spelling of the Greek word so I'm looking up um, the word for encouragement um, in my Greek dictionary 4151 and it says the Greek word for encourage is parakaleo, parakaleo. And we, I, I preached on that not too long ago. The word for encouragement, parakaleo, kale, comes from the root word kaleo. Kaleo means to call out, all right, to exhort, to use your words, to build one another up. So parakaleo, para means for or toward, toward, okay? For something, to something, towards something. So parakaleo is an emphatic way of saying to build one another up with your words. Encourage one another with your words. Ah, oh. Paul, oh. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. We're called to encourage one another. We're called to encourage our our family, our friends, our co-workers, our bosses, our supervisors. Encourage our pastors. Encourage our congregants, our members, our leaders. Encourage the children. Encourage the teenagers. Encourage the new believer. Encourage the elder who's been serving God for so long. Encourage with our words. Parakaleo. Call out. Build them up. Para kaleo. kaleo means to call. C-A-L-L. In Greek, it's K-A-L-E-O. Kaleo. Parakaleo means to encourage. Comforting. Let's look up the word comforting. It's Greek word 41 or uh, 4170. So I'm looking up in my Greek dictionary, 4170. And it's the word parametheomai. Parametheomai. And parametheomai means to also console or to comfort. Or or you can also translate it possibly to encourage. So we see here that it's a very... Similar word come from, coming from the same place of Paul's heart, which is to encourage and to comfort, to console, right? Like a father. The arms of a father, the hands of a father, meant to encourage, to comfort, not to harm, not to hurt, but to lift up, to heal, to deliver, to bless the hands of a father, the strength of a father's hands, the strength of a father's embrace. There's nothing like it. When I hold my children, my tiger, my JJ, my Lola, and they're in my arms, they feel loved. They feel confident. They feel protected. They feel like they're on top of the world when i build them up with my words i praise them i encourage them i tell them they're awesome i also bring correction and keep them honest when they need it but comprehend the love and the power that's present in in that that role that the church plays in the life of a believer In the life of a family, we got to do more of it, church. We got to do more. We got to encourage one another. We got to comfort one another. We got to console one another. Oh, man. Look at the next word Paul uses in his characteristic of a father. He says, urging you to live lives worthy of God. And and, and this, this Greek word, urging, also can be translated as challenging. So let's look up the Greek word. It's number 3458 in my Greek definition, uh, dictionary, 3458. All right, 3458. And the word is marturomai. Marturomai, which is pretty easy for some of us if we understand Latin words or um, martureo means um, to be martyred. OK. Um, and the, this word martyr, martureomai, comes from the word to, uh, to urge, to strongly uh, challenge, right, or to witness, to witness. So Paul says that the role of a father is to to urge, to to challenge, to push us and challenge us to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. I love that. I love that. What does that mean? It means that the father's job or or like the body of Christ's job for one another is to challenge each other to not sit back and see somebody just... Remaining stagnant, not sitting back, seeing somebody fall away, not sit back, waiting to see somebody uh, have a tremendous fall in their lives. But Paul says, no, to be urged, urge one another to live the life that you're called in God, in the fullness of the kingdom and his glory. Dude, isn't that... An amazing thing that we can do for one another, where a father knows to challenge where to push. You know, those are one of the things that I look forward to, even in my own children. Pushing them when they when they when they're resistant or when they don't think they can go anymore, or when they're not aware of what they can achieve. We say, No, you can do more. And we expect more because you're brilliant, because you're smart, because you're a great leader, because you have great potential, because you have the faith of Jesus Christ in you, because you you can do so much more in Christ, in the kingdom. We have to encourage one another, spur one another onto good works, growing in righteousness, growing in holiness, growing in obedience, Growing in the word of God, growing in good works, growing in our faith and in the kingdom. And it says, and glory, doxa. Do you know what glory is? Glory is what what Moses experienced when he was on the top of Mount Sinai and and Father God brought brought him and gave him the Ten Commandments. When, When Moses, after several days and weeks, finally came down from the mountain. He came down from the mountain and there was a Shekinah glory all over Moses. There was a radiance, there was a brightness, there was um, a bright, a bright light that Moses brought that was so powerful for the people that they couldn't even stand it. They had to put a veil over Moses because the glory of God was with him wherever he went. Paul's saying the job that we have and the commitment that we have to one another. It's to challenge one another to become all that God has called us to be in the kingdom of God. So that we can experience God's glory, which is his son, Jesus Christ. Imagine what the resurrection of Jesus Christ was like. Well, you and I can experience the resurrection power every day. Every day you have the power to conquer sin. Every day you have the the, the ability to conquer a rebellious spirit. Every day you have the power to to conquer and to overcome temptation. Every day we have the power to resist the enemy and anything that he tries to bring in our path to take us off track. Every day we can walk around as glory bearers, Shekinah glory bearers. Um, Paul says right here that we have the responsibility of challenging one another and encouraging one another to be everything that God has called us to be. Not holding each other down. Not cutting one another down, but no, helping one another grow to our fullness, to our full capacity. Hallelujah. I love it. I love it. That's my job. That's my job and I love it. That's my job. I want to encourage people. It's my job to, to challenge people to be greater, to do greater, to be better. That's my job. That's my calling, you guys. That's our calling for one another. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I I pray that you're receiving it right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray that you're you're grabbing hold of it right now. Hallelujah. I pray that the word of God right now is just getting a hold of your heart right now. (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 I pray that you allow God to do a great work, a deep work in your life. The word of God is like fire. It's so contagious. Hallelujah. 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 Verse 13. And we also thank God continuously because when you received the word of God, when we received the word of God, the rhema, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, the rhema. Everybody say rhema. Rhema, it's the rhema, word of God. It's the direct word of God. Not just the logos, not just the representative, the representation of God. Not just the written logos, the written word of God, but the rhema, the very spoken, the very tangible, the very present word of God. Paul says, you received it. So you guys, when we receive the word of God, it means we receive God himself. We receive Jesus himself. Jesus lives in you. Jesus lives in your mind. Jesus lives in your heart. Jesus lives in your many members. Jesus becomes a part of who we are. He doesn't just live in our heart. We become image bearers. We become light bearers. We become heralds of the very word. That is in us. So wherever we walk, wherever we go, wherever we talk, we're proclaiming the gospel. Saturating our words with salt and light and truth and love and peace and joy and parakaleo. (laughs) Encouraging one another. For brothers, you became imitators of God's churches, and so we can end right there. We can end in knowing that God has called us to be like a family. God's called us to call one another, text one another. Preferably women with women, men with men, or or if God calls you to reach to reach out to somebody so that it's appropriate. Add somebody else on the text message and say, Brother, if you're if you're a sister, you say you, you text a brother with another sister on the on the text and say, Brother, God, put it on my heart to reach out to you. And just to let you know that you're being prayed for. We know you're going through something. God, God is all over it. He sent his hounds of heaven to cover you. Um, and that way we we're, um, we keep things appropriate, we keep things healthy, and we can love and encourage. Uh, Just the way God has called us to do it in a healthy way so that we're a healthy church, so that we can build trust and confidence in the church with a healthy expression of what the body of Christ is supposed to look like, where brothers can treat sisters with love and respect and honor, where sisters can treat brothers with love and respect and honor, where we can treat the young sisters in Christ with dignity and respect, like like our daughter with respect. We could we could treat our young brothers um, with trust and respect and build them up and encourage them as independent, as as young believers. I have to treat my my sons with respect. I can't just crush them. I can't just squash them down. I can't just always be harsh. I can't just always be challenging them with the tough stuff. I got to also respect my sons. I got to respect their boundaries. I got to respect my daughter Lola's boundaries. As a father, my wife has got to respect our son's boundaries as they become young men. We have to know where there's bow- those boundaries are, where those parameters and those perimeters are. And we have to know how in Christ we're called to do that within the church. Where leaders can have healthy relationships with members. Where lay ministers have healthy relationship with pastors. Where pastors have healthy relationships with um, people Um, within the church that's what God's calling us to that's who the body of Christ is we gotta demonstrate it we gotta be witnesses of it witnesses to it so that we can we can win back this generation that's lost yeah they didn't get lost on their own no we gave them the wrong coordinates we gave them the wrong address by showing them the wrong way by doing the wrong things by leading them astray, we have to take responsibility ourselves for the brokenness in our own church, for the brokenness in our own, in our own regions, our own cities, our own neighborhoods, our own people groups, the world, the, the church with the capital C. We got to do it better. We got to win them back. We got to pray them back in. We got to pray them back in. We got to pray them back into the body of Christ. It's going to take some time. We may not even see it in our generation. I'm okay with that. But I'm not going to stop fighting. I'm not going to stop challenging us. I'm not going to stop calling out sin. Calling out the appearance of, of, of evil or wickedness. We, are, we cannot afford, we cannot sit back and allow the body of Christ to be the tail and not the head. No, God's called us to be the head and not the tail. So, Paul, we hear you. We appreciate your your encouragement. We appreciate the letters. We appreciate it. Couldn't have come at a better time. I needed it. I needed the reminder. Um, I'm gonna go with my family right now. I'm gonna go love up on my wife. I'm gonna go love up on my kids. I'm gonna go in, um, I'm gonna live it out at church with my staff, With our pastors, our leaders, our church members, my friends in the community, coaches, uh, athletes, teammates of my children, Uh, wherever I go, I'm going to go and do it. And I appreciate it, Paul, because I needed the reminder. We all did. So uh, we're going to put pen to paper. We're going to write you back. We're going to thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. For your goodness, for your love, for your mercy, your patience, your kindness, your peace. Um, And here we are with the body of Christ, with the family of God. And we're going to do it better. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Forgive us for our sins. Lord, you're on the move. We feel it, we sense it. We're going to do it right. We're going to get it better. You're amazing. I don't know what we would do without you. I don't know where I would be without you, Lord Jesus. But I'm glad I found you. We love you. God bless you, church.